Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for standing by. Welcome and thank you for joining the on-holding AG Q3 2022 results call. Throughout today's recorded presentation, all participants will be in listen-only mode. The presentation will be followed by a question and answer session. If you would like to ask a question, you may press star followed by one on your touchdown telephone. Please press the star key followed by zero for operator assistance. I would now like to turn the conference over to Jared Peter. Please go ahead. Good afternoon, good morning, and thank you for joining on 2022 third quarter earnings conference call and webcast. With me today on the call are executive co-chairman and co-founder David Olivan, CFO and co-CEO Martin Hoffman, and co-CEO Mark Maurer. Before we begin, I would like to remind everyone that the remarks during today's call will contain forward-looking statements regarding future events and performance within the meaning of the federal securities laws. These forward-looking statements reflect our current expectations and beliefs only, and such statements are sub subject to certain risks and uncertainties that could cause actual results to differ materially. Please refer to our 20F, filed with the Securities and Exchange Commission, on March 18th for a detailed discussion of such risks and uncertainties. Please further note that this call will also contain certain non-IFRS financial measures, such as adjusted EBTA and adjusted EBTA margin. These measures are not intended to be considered in isolation or as a substitute for the financial information presented in accordance with IFRS. Please refer to today's release for reconciliation of non-IFRS financial measures to the most comparable measures prepared in accordance with IFRS. We will begin with David, followed by Martin, leading to today's prepared remarks, after which we are looking forward to opening the call for a Q&A session. With that, I'm very happy to turn over the call to David. Thank you very much and a warm welcome from here in Zurich to everyone around the globe joining us today. I'm delighted to be here to speak about another outstanding quarter and the exciting recent progress and developments at all. As you will have seen in our release this morning, net sales for the third quarter increased by more than 50% to 328 million Swiss francs, our strongest quarter in history. This makes on a 1 billion Swiss franc net sales company when looking at the 12 months leading up to the end of September. And it allows us to increase our full year outlook. During our last earnings call, we talked about how we are focusing on building a company that is set up for durable growth with the goal of being the number one brand on runners' bodies. Today, I delve deeper into the strengths of the on-brand and our most recent innovation achievements before handing over to Martin for a detailed review of our third quarter financial performance and details on the outlook for the rest of the year. 12 years ago, ON started from out of nowhere and has built a powerful grassroots movement of millions within a few short years. It fills me with pride that we continue to inspire and attract a record amount of new runners to ON. There is simply an incredible amount of momentum around ON right now. And I want to focus on three of the key areas that are driving this growth and setting us up for sustained success. 
Firstly, we are expanding the reach of the brand like never before. On has seen a record number of visitors coming to our website with almost 10 million sessions per month recorded so far this year. Our Instagram followers just crossed the 1 million and engagement is high. We are attracting new consumers every day due to our ability to drive awareness and then meet their individual needs once we have gained their attention. We're doing this in a number of ways, not least via our highly successful omnichannel approach. Our strategy connects us with consumers when and where they want to shop. Be that via our own physical and digital stores, wholesale partners, or immersive digital platforms. In September, we began piloting a fully redesigned website designed to deliver a richer, more immersive shopping experience. The pilot and A-B testing in the UK has delivered great results, and we cannot wait to roll it out globally in the coming months for all of our fans to enjoy. We're also partnering with external digital platforms such as the WeChat e-commerce mini program in China. Chinese consumers can now seamlessly shop for own products without ever leaving the WeChat ecosystem. Our increasing brand visibility is also driven by powerful marketing campaigns that resonate with our core community and reach a new breed of useful runners. Runners who are inspired by an emerging run culture that elevates running to a lifestyle. The seed of this culture was planted during the pandemic and new habits have now been formed. These campaigns are hugely distinctive and impactful. During the Berlin Marathon, you couldn't escape our brand as we took over hundreds of key out-of-home sites across the city to support our Dream On campaign. We also partnered with the city's music festival to provide our unique take on how running inspires creativity. And during the London and the New York City marathons, runners joined us at Point Two, an immersive exhibition that explored the magical mind space that can only be accessed through running. October also saw the hotly anticipated second Löwe Times on collection of performance footwear. It launched to much fanfare, particularly in the APEC region, where it was heavily featured in influential style media such as Vogue Japan. Hybrid choosing to build the brand is also contributing to our momentum, namely by staying true to our focus of performance innovation. I'm thrilled to see how our newest performance products like the Cloud Monster, the Cloud Runner, and the Cloud Go are resonating with runners in a major way, becoming the fastest growing product lines at our retail partners. These styles are now driving volume for us, not only in running specialty doors, but also in general sporting goods channels like Dick Sporting Goods. Crucially, our running shoes that resonate so well with consumers are powered by the very same technology you see on the feet of our successful professional athletes and the On Athletics Club, our elite track and field team. Athletes like the Norwegian triathlete Gustav Eden, who won the Men's Ironman World Championship in Hawaii in October. He delivered an unbelievable performance with a new course record. 
But not only did Gustav set a new overall course record, we played a part in Gustav running a course record marathon to finish off the race and secure the win in an Anjou specifically created to meet his needs. Of course, this groundswell of professional athletes wanting to wear our innovative products influences runners to choose Anjou's for their daily runs and workouts. This was on full display around the New York Marathon, where our New York City store locked the strongest two days in history. Our product innovations aren't just confined to footwear. The potential of our apparel business has never been greater. We're doubling down on apparel and have recently made a number of key investments to strengthen our design and development team. In the last few months, we have also seen a great response from our community to new apparel products, such as the Lumos collection of hyper-reflective running gear and our latest sports bra line. And just last week, we had our global meeting where our team and key partners were introduced to our next lineup of products that we will bring to market in the fall winter 23 season. We surprised the team with three all new footwear silhouettes and many new and exciting apparel pieces. As you know, brand and product desire builds lasting relationships with our consumers and turns them into evangelists. We also create long-term partnerships with retailers to ensure we do everything we can to serve and inspire consumers together. But of course, we can't speak about lasting meaningful relationships without mentioning Roger Federer. Our partnership with Roger has never been an athlete endorsement deal. Instead, he has long been a partner, investor, and co-entrepreneur of ours. He plays a truly instrumental role in the development of the Roger line and the Roger Pro Tennis Shoe, acting as a role model to all of his own teammates at the same time. Like many sport fans, we had heavy hearts when Roger announced his retirement from the professional tennis game. But I'm delighted to say that he will now spend even more time with us to expand the professional on tennis business and our performance product offering as a whole. My last and final point brings me to durable growth, not just for ROM, but for our planet. We are making fast progress in innovations that drive a circular future. For us, durable growth means growing responsibly. As a brand born in the Swiss Alps, nature is our home and where we run. Our sustainability mission has always remained the same, namely to make high-performance products with the lowest possible footprint and engineered for circularity. We focus on three core areas, recycle, reuse, and reduce. On recent calls, we provided updates on breakthroughs we made against the first two ambitions, namely our Cyclone subscription model. Today, I'd like to focus on the third area, carbon capture. I'm delighted to say that Q3 was when we finally realized our dream of reducing carbon impact when we unveiled the first ever shoe made from carbon emissions with our clean cloud material. 
this makes on the first company in the footwear industry to use carbon emissions as a primary raw material for a shoe's midsole. A huge milestone for the sports industry and something that seemed almost impossible when we first started developing it five years ago. Clean Cloud will go from proof of concept to commercialization. Our ambition is to bring the technology to as many consumers as possible in the near future. Other notable sustainability achievements in the quarter included the introduction of Onward, our first ever platform to shop and trade in pre-owned gear from on. Customers and products stay with us longer. Onward is currently available in the US and we're looking forward to see how our first foray into the resale market develops in the coming months. To summarize, we are incredibly pleased of the progress we have made over the past 12 months and are extremely excited for the next steps we'll take on our mission to decouple on resource consumption from our strong growth. With that, it's my pleasure to hand over to Martin for the Q3 financial review and updated outlook for the full year. Martin, please. Thank you, David. And hello, everyone joining our call today. Q3 has been another record quarter for on. Our net sales growth of 50.4% to 328 million has been stronger than expected and another step on our journey towards durable growth. Those of you who have followed us since the IPO know that while net sales growth is important to us, we are just as focused on expanding on profitability. By further reducing the air freight share and despite foreign exchange headwinds, we have achieved a record adjusted EBITDA of 56.3 million, an adjusted EBITDA margin of 17.2% in the quarter. The strong results validate the continued high demand for our brand globally. At the same time, they validate our ability to scale and professionalize along all parts of the business. David mentioned some of the factors that have driven our record sales, the success of our products, our expanding collaborations with wholesale partners, and our progress to connect even more intensely with our customers. The high demand that we are experiencing has challenged our logistics network. While our supply chain teams across the globe have done an exceptional job to cope with the record volumes, in mid-August, we experienced temporary constraints in our U.S. East Coast warehouse caused by a system upgrade by our 3PL partner. So our team worked fast and the situation has been remedied. We were not able to fulfill all the demand we had in the US, especially in D2C, where we lost some sales due to longer delivery times and higher cancellation rates. In addition, the strength of the US dollar in conjunction with the weakness of the Euro in ratio to our reporting currency Swiss francs had a significant negative impact on our cross profit margin and our adjusted EBITDA margin of 250 basis points compared to the third quarter last year. On total net sales, currency developments are mostly neutral while regional sales are impacted. So even in spite of these headwinds, we delivered record results, which is a testament to our strong brand momentum and high-quality team-based execution. Now let me review the strong quarterly financial performance in more detail. 
we again saw well-balanced growth between channels, regions, and product verticals. We continue to win market share ex at existing retail partners while selectively expanding our distribution to reach the right customers, which helped to drive an increase of net sales and whole sales of 55.6% versus a very strong prior year period. As announced, we started to pilot at eight big sporting goods locations and are extremely happy how ON has resonated as a head-to-toe brand with apparel and accessories driving nearly 20% of the units sold. On footwear, Dix is certainly showing that it can drive our mission to reach every runner. Styles such as the Cloud Ultra, Cloud Monster, and Cloud Runner have been large volume drivers during the pilot phase. We have also increased our door count with Foot Locker to 150 doors in the US in connection with the Fall Winter 22 season launch which came together with very strong numbers in Q3 and excellent sales through during the back-to-school season. We continue to follow our strategy of seeking presence in the highest quality doors, tightly managing stock levels, and whenever possible, showcasing the brand in designated on-shop-and-shop -shop areas. A great example is our partnership with Nordstrom, where we opened 12 dedicated on shops in September. Overall, our wholesale door count in our own markets, that means excluding distributor markets, stands at 9,050 doors as of the end of Q3, versus 8,000 doors at the beginning of the year, reflecting a strong organic growth within existing stores through both existing and new products while expanding distribution in a very controlled way. Moving over to direct-to-consumer, where net sales grew by 40.7% in the quarter. Without the constraints in our U.S. warehouse, we would have been able to achieve even more sales growth in D2C. Our D2C growth is well-balanced and driven by the strong demand from both our existing customer groups as well as a large number of first-time purchasers that are frequently only just discovering the brand. As David mentioned, we are also very excited about the ongoing rollout and the potential of our new online experience to further increase the engagement with our fans. We are also continuously investing in our data infrastructure to connect more directly with our customers. Last week, I had the opportunity to visit our newest own retail store that just opened in Los Angeles at Abertini Boulevard in Venice. The customer response has been incredibly strong, and we have heard many times that this is one of the nicest stores in this vibrant street. Like many of our other locations, it is not only a store, but also a launch pad for our running communities. Our next locations outside of China will be in London and Miami, for which we are looking at openings early next year. In China, the traffic to our own retail stores has surged back after the larger scale lockdowns in Q2 and has also significantly increased versus the prior year comparable periods. For example, our existing Beijing store saw a 40% increase in traffic in the month of August versus the prior year period. At the same time, we opened four additional stores in China since early September, 
Serif 2 in Shanghai, one in Beijing, and one in Chengdu. The China retail stores also continue to be a showcase of the opportunity we have in apparel when we can actively drive our merchandising. Our existing store in Shenzhen, as an example, even reached a 30% apparel share in Q3. Overall, considering the performance dynamics in the quarter, our DTC share was 32.5% versus 34.7% in the prior year period. Then moving on to the developments by region. Q3 net sales in North America grew 57.1% to 176.3 million Swiss francs. Driven by the strong demand for our full product line across all retail partners and direct channels. As mentioned before, we would have had even more demand from our D2C customers in the region that we were unable to fulfill due to the temporary warehouse constraints. Net sales growth in Europe accelerated compared to Q2, and we achieved 116.5 million Swiss francs, 31.8 year-over-year growth, despite the considerable FX headwinds from a strong Swiss franc versus the euro and British pound. Demand in most key markets continues to be strong, and we are very happy to have extremely strong partners in the region as we continue our growth path. With the expansion of JD, we saw record monthly sales through footwear in September, which helped the UK to double net sales year over year in Q3. And we are excited to say that Q3 also marked a successful launch with Foot Locker in Europe, both in selected stores and online. Finally, Q3 also means marathon season in Europe. And we were very present in the weeks leading up to the marathons in London and Berlin, with this year's brand campaign showcasing the power of running to ignite the human spirit. Mark and I, of course, are amongst the big believers in this power. And so I will admit, Mark did so considerably faster than I. I'm happy to share that we both crossed the finish line in Berlin with smiles still on our faces, alongside many of our own teammates, fans, and partners. NetSales in Asia Pacific grew 85.2% to 24.2 million Swiss francs, driven by the strong rebound in China following the prolonged lockdowns in Q2, as well as the continued momentum in Japan and Australia. Despite some occasional local lockdowns, China posted a year-over-year growth rate of 90% in Q3. This momentum also extends beyond Q3. For Double Eleven, the biggest online shopping festival in China, On was selected as the only new sportwear brand to be featured online and offline with T-Moil in the build-up to the event. Our co-branded design featuring the Cloud Monster was highly visible in major subway and bus stations across all major cities, as well as digitally for the three weeks leading up to double 11. This, together with our strong brand momentum, led to an increase of over 135% in terms of items sold versus the prior year double 11 period. With a total of seven new own retail stores opening in China in half year two, and considerable traction on our new WeChat mini program launched in October, we expect China to be a continued growth driver for us for the years to come. 
Finally, our rest of world net sales increased 150% to 11 million Swiss francs. As announced in previous calls, we have successfully built a network of new distributor partners across Latin America. In addition, we are also seeing a very strong demand increase in the Middle East. Turning to our performance by product category, net sales from shoes grew 51.6%. In August, we launched the Cloud Go, which together with the Cloud Monster and the Cloud Runner has completed our line of reinvented performance running products that have driven significant market share gains for all. We expanded our collection of undyed products to the Cloud 5 and also the Cloud Nova. And we are excited to showcase these blockbuster franchises in their most sustainable execution today. As we all celebrate Roger's amazing career, we also expand the Roger line to a new mid-top version and of course celebrated Roger's last official tournament with a Roger Labor Cup limited edition, which caused long lines at the on-stand during that event in London. Apparel grew by 32.4% to 15.2 million Swiss francs. Similar to last quarter, still slightly below our expectations. But we continue to build the foundation for future success by investing into our internal capabilities, our product assortment, and the experience for our customers. Cross profit reached 187.4 million in the third quarter compared to 131.3 million in the previous year period, representing a cross margin of 57.1% versus 60.2% in Q3 21. As expected, we used additional air freight to fulfill more of the high demand for some of our new products. But overall, in Q3, we further reduced the reliance on air freight, and we are now in a more normalized position which helped drive continued sequential improvement on cross-margin versus Q1 and Q2. Besides the planned impact of air freight, we have experienced pressure on our margin from the lower D2C share as a result of the warehouse constraints and, even more importantly, from the negative year-over-year -year FX development mentioned earlier. SG&A expenses, excluding share-based compensation, and last year's one-off transaction costs related to the IPO were 44.1% of net sales in Q3 this year, reduced from 46.4% in the same period last year. While we continue to invest in all parts of the business, we are also driving efficiencies and economies of scale. Adjusted EBDA reached 56.3 million in the quarter, exceeding 50 million Swiss francs for the first time in our history. This was up from 37.9 million Swiss francs in the previous year, which at that time had been the highest quarterly EBITDA to date. The adjusted EBITDA margin of 17.2% decreased slightly from 17.4% in Q3 21, largely due to the cross margin impacts mentioned earlier but was considerably up from the 10.8% in the last quarter. Now moving to our balance sheet. Capital expenditures were 22 million Swiss francs in Q322, or 6.7% of net sales, largely consisting of investments into the build-outs of our offices in Zurich and Portland, into new owned retail stores, 
as well as IT infrastructure. Let me go into a bit more detail when it comes to our inventory position. Inventory increased by 45.7 million Swiss francs, or 21.1% compared to the end of June, and by 118.2 million, or 82% compared to the end of the third quarter last year, which a year ago, as you remember, was unseasonably low due to COVID-induced factory shutdowns. If we exclude in-transit inventory, which had been significantly reduced due to the reliance on air freight between September last year and mid of this year, the inventory growth quite closely followed our net sales growth. We are currently in a much better position to execute the demand for the upcoming holiday season than a year ago, when inventory levels were at a low point. The inventory in transit and in our warehouses has been produced to fulfill the existing orders on books with ship dates in Q4 and in early Q1. Driven by the higher working capital and the CapEx investments, net cash at the end of Q3 reduced to 493 million from 557.7 million at the end of the second quarter. Our strong balance sheet allows us to pursue our ambitious growth plans and upcoming investments. Finally, towards our path of becoming a much larger company in the future, I'm very pleased to announce that we have secured the capacity with a third party to build a highly automated fulfillment center in Atlanta. This new warehouse will provide additional capacity as of early next year and will replace our existing East Coast warehouse by 2025. By then, the automation will significantly decrease our handling cost and dependency on manual labor, offering an opportunity for further SG&A leverage and continued increase of our D2C business. This contract is secured by a bank guarantee and consequently by a dedicated cash balance. This look into our future logistics setup is a great transition to speak about our financial outlook for the rest of the year 22 and into 2023. A very exciting and successful year is coming to the end and we are planning to close the year on a high note. Based on the strong performance in Q3, we are once again raising our net sales outlook for 2022 by 25 million from 1.1 billion to 1.125 billion, which includes the confidence in our ability to drive a stronger fourth quarter than assumed in our previous guidance. This new top line reflects a strong full year growth of 55% compared to 52% in our previous guidance. The increased outlook considers a few aspects that I would like to point out. First, the temporary constraints in our Atlanta warehouse are behind us, and we are approaching the important holiday season with a strong momentum. While we have a strong inventory position, we may see out-of-stock situations on some fast-moving styles, which we see as an important element in driving positive scarcity. Importantly, our long product life cycles allow us to remain focused on full price sales. Given the good momentum and supply situation, we are now in a position to fully normalize the use of air freight and do not expect an extraordinary impact in Q4. 
Second, we continue to see a strong demand for on products, and October was off to a very good start for the quarter. We're staying in close contact with our retail partners and analyze our extensive customer data to carefully observe the macro and microeconomic developments. Our order book for Q4 and for the first half of next year confirm our strong outlook, and we are clearly planning the business for continued strong growth. We also focused on ensuring we stay disciplined and controlled in our cost structure to ensure we are driving durable long-term growth. Third, we expect continued margin pressure from the combination of a strong US dollar and a weak euro, both compared to our reporting currencies with strengths. The executed price increases in the US and the planned increases in Europe as of early next year offset some of the compression. For 2022, we are increasing our adjusted EPTA target for the full year to 148 million, reconfirming our goal of an adjusted EPTA margin of 13.2% for the year, even at the elevated top line outlook and despite the additional challenges described beforehand. Finally, as we have previously mentioned, and due to the structure of our pre-IPO equity plans, we will see the majority of the 2022 share-based compensation expenses in Q4. At the current share price level of 17 to 21 US dollar, we anticipate a charge of around 35 to 50 million Swiss francs. Each dollar higher or lower than the current share price at the time of granting in early December would then cause the share-based compensation charge to change by roughly plus minus 3.5 million Swiss francs. Over the past weeks, we have spent a lot of time with our senior leadership team to shape an aligned vision for the years to come. Our order book for the first half of 23, the current demand we are seeing, and the much improved supply environment put us in a strong position to drive continued strong and durable growth, both in Q4 and beyond. They also allow us to approach the year cautiously to protect the position of the brand, even in the current uncertain macroeconomic environment. Notably, we are committed to further increase our absolute and relative profitability with a constant focus on efficiency and improvement of adjusted EBDA. David listed some of the most exciting initiatives around our brand in the last month. They ultimately led to the strongest quarter in our history and an elevated outlook to close the year on a high. And we remain fully focused on accomplishing that in these last few months. All of this would not be possible without our culture and the team that is standing behind it. Our new offices around the world became an incredible source of energy. We can't be thankful enough to everyone in the team for building a culture of high performance by also focusing on everyone's well-being. One of my highlights every month is to talk to our new starters and to share our history as a starting point to their three-day-long onboarding journey. Because to understand our past is essential to shape our future and to dream on. With that, David, Mark, and I like to open up the session to your questions. Operator, we are ready to begin the Q&A session.
Ladies and gentlemen, at this time we will begin the question and answer session. Anyone who wishes to ask a question may press star followed by one on their touchtone telephone. If you wish to remove yourself from the question queue, you may press star followed by two. If you are using speaker equipment today, please lift the handset before making your selections. Anyone who has a question may press star followed by one at this time. One moment for the first question, please. The first question is coming from Jay Soul from UBS. Please go ahead. Great, thank you so much. Uh, David, you know, you mentioned a lot of innovation um, that the you know, companies delivered over the last quarter, Cloud Monster, you know, the clean cloud. Can you just talk about the, the new product pipeline and the innovation that you have planned for next year? Um, do, you, do you see it as robust as it's been uh, over the last, you know, few quarters? And, and can you talk about the kind of investment you're continuing to make in product innovation to, to drive the brand forward? Jay, very much, uh, very happy to talk about that because, you know, uh, our goal is to be the number one brand on uh, runners' bodies over time. And so it's super important that we continue to invest in innovation. And you've seen that in the past that we regularly launched new technology platforms. Now you also see how we're working closely together with athletes. So just a look at what our um, collaboration with Gustav Eden achieved, but also for many, many other athletes uh, on Athletics Club. Um, to name to name some uh, to name a group that uh, also got an incredible followership uh, around our core running consumer. Now for next year, and I think we mentioned that also in a previous call, um, we're introducing a whole new technology platform, which is CloudTech Face, and uh, which was developed computer assisted, so that we um, choose the very best form factor to give you the perfect ride. And so that's just the next iteration of how innovation comes out of on. And let me mention here as well that um, the foams that we're using in shoes for our athletes and also um, the speedboard uh, is, can be actually fully bio-based. You see that in the Cyclone. Um, in Cyclone, you use very, very advanced phones, an advanced speedboard, and it's fully bio-based and recyclable. So you also see that we can combine high performance for athletes, but at the same time also achieve our goal of uh, circularity. Got it. And then maybe, Martin, if I can follow up, just one other one. Um, can you just talk about the impact that the warehouse constraints had on sales in terms of like a, a number and then also at the same time within Europe, how much did FX weigh on the growth rate um, in terms of like basis points? Thank you. Yeah, so the, the, the impact of the warehouse constraints was mainly on direct-to-consumer because the whole sales channel uh, traditionally has, has inventory, so uh, the impact there was, was less immediate. Um, we would have seen an, an, an higher D2C share uh, if, if we wouldn't have seen those constraints. Um, they really lasted for, for about uh, half of the, of the quarter. Um, so so the, 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 the share of our uh, D2C business would have been more in line with what we have seen in the, in the, in the past. Um, to the question on the, on the ethics impact on, on our regions, um, if you, if you would look at basically the, the two uh, key regions on a, on a rate of last year, then the growth rate in Europe would be more around 41% and the growth rate in the US about 49% or in North America. 
Got it. Thank you so much. The next question is coming from Joe Comp from Barried. Please go ahead. Yeah, hi, thank you. I'm prepared. Um, hello, everyone. I wanted to just ask Martin if I can follow up. Could you could you talk a little bit more about what's informing your your top line revenue growth assumptions in the fourth quarter? And, and since you commented directionally on the order book into the first half of 2023, could you just uh, maybe uh, frame up sort of what what you're seeing in terms of uh, you know, qualitatively, the growth and the reaction from your wholesale partners, and you know, how how we should view that those comments in, in the context of sustaining uh, you know good good top line growth here. Yeah, very happy. Um, so so as we mentioned, we we approached the fourth quarter uh, with a very strong inventory position. Um, we are we are out of the of the impacts from from last year's uh, factory closures. So we'll also uh, be normalized on, on the use of, of, of air freight. Um, we started the quarter very strongly. Uh, we had a good start into the, into the holiday season. Uh, we spoke about the success during uh, the double 11 uh, festival in, in China with 135% growth. Um, we have a strong order book. We, uh, we, we, we see continued strong demand from our retail partners as well as from our end customers. Um, so we feel that the 41% growth that is implied in our quarter, uh, in our guidance for the fourth quarter, confirms that, and and we also feel that we we go with a similar strong momentum into um, the next year. Um, we have a strong order book for the first half of the year. We are currently uh, in the selling season to to basically get the orders on book for the second half of the year, which will then also allow us to give a more precise outlook on the on the full year um in the in our next call yeah thank you that makes sense and, and maybe just one follow-up on the margin outlook um if, if i look at the implied fourth quarter adjusted ebitda margin it, it looks you know near just slightly below the third quarter and i, I want to just clarify maybe what you're embedding in, in that outlook given that you should have less freight um, and we don't have complete history to see always the, the seasonality third quarter to fourth quarter but just any 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 comments directionally on what you're embedding in the in the fourth quarter uh, margin outlook it's really based on the on the top line that we see and the uh, and the, the the investments that we are planning to do and also the cost base that we that we have built um the the FX impact clearly uh, leaves the mark on on cross profit, and it shows that we were able to to mitigate some of the impacts. We benefit from the price increases that that we have done. Uh, we benefit from the ability that we have on managing our expenses very carefully, um, and and therefore, yeah, I think it's a it's a strong message that that we confirm the 13.2 percent EBITDA margin and increase the the outlook further. And then for next year, we see that we are able to to drive some of the savings from our uh, reduced air freight share next year into the bottom line, but that we are also able to reinvest some of those savings in into investments in the brand, uh, especially on the on the marketing side. Yeah, great, and uh, congrats to Mark on a great uh, time in Berlin. Thanks, everyone. Thank, Thank you. you. The next question is coming from Michael B. 
Binetti from Credit Suisse. Please go ahead. Uh, hey guys, uh, congrats on a, a nice quarter there with the uh, despite that disruption in Atlanta. <clears throat> um, I guess could you could you tell us maybe a little bit of a continuation on the last question besides Airfree, what what um what other other inputs you have visibility to today, and what guardrails we should think about that may limit um, upside? You said some reinvestment. What what else should we think about as you think you know how next year you get back on track to your longer term goals with gross margins in the high 50s, EBITDA margins over 15. Um, and then I'm, I was also wondering, you know, if, could you speak a little bit more to um, what you think is needed for the unlock and apparel growth rates to move above footwear, given the, the small base that business. Every time you guys open a company-operated store, and now it seems like the Dick's test, um, where you focus on head-to-toe apparel and accessories seems to shoot up to about 20% of the mix, well above the average for the company. I'm just wondering what you think is the unlock you need to make that, you know, that kind of mix more relevant across the entire company. Yeah, I'm happy to 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 start with the, with your first part, and then maybe David um, elaborates further on on the apparel opportunity. So as as mentioned, um, if we if we look at the excess of air freight that we had, um, that's about 350 basis points probably saving if we if we think about a normal more normalized uh, year of, of of air freight use next year, and so that's that's basically the the, the part that we intend to reinvest in in a higher bottom line, but also into uh, uh, more contribution into into market share and, and brand building. Um, we need to we need to observe uh, closely the the currency development. Um, so we were speaking about the impact that we have seen now in the third quarter, and uh, also in in the in the fourth quarter based on the current environment with the with the weak euro and uh, the strong U.S. dollar. So we are in a position to to approach the year with the the necessary caution when it comes to building expenses and 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 driving up our cost lines. So we are able to react. Um, to to those impacts and and protect both our our cross profit margin as well as our bottom line. In addition, we see um, that the price increases are accepted uh, strongly from our customers. They don't lead to a, a slower demand, and we are also seeing that we are able to benefit from our economies of scale with our factory partners. And therefore, we do not expect um, an impact from inflation from higher higher raw material prices on our product cost. So uh, most of that uh, upside from, from higher prices will also be available for, for compensating some of those FX impacts. So Michael, I'm very, very happy to take your uh, apparel question. You mentioned it. Um, in our own stores, apparel is up to 20% of uh, share. In China, sometimes up to 30%, and we feel that's super encouraging because it shows that we have clear product market fit with um, with our consumers. And so we continue that road, and we also see that when we partner with wholesale partners, very open stores, like for example, recently um, at Nordstrom, where we have shopping shops, on-branded shopping shops, we get to a we get to a similar share. So we feel. Product market fit is there. Now it's about giving apparel a bigger presence in the channels where we operate and then frankly also expanding the portfolio in, a, in, in apparel because 
many of the pieces are actually fan favorites, which have been there for, uh, for, for a long time and have been continued fan favorites. So that gives us stability and that's um, where we can scale from. Um, so it's great to see that, um, that, that apparel is coming of age uh, within ON. And if you're uh, talking to Chinese consumers, they don't see ON as a footwear company. They see ON already as a sportswear company and that's reflected in these figures as well. Okay, thanks a lot for the thoughts, guys. The next question is coming from Jim Duffy from Stiefel. Please go ahead. Hi, good afternoon to the team in Europe, and congratulations on crossing the, the billion threshold on a trailing 12-month basis. I wanted to start by asking about the wholesale business. The wholesale number is particularly strong. You've spoken about strong orders. Can you comment on channel inventories? Uh, others are seeing cancellations. Is that something you've experienced? And I'm curious how you're seeing the brand fare against a more promotional backdrop. Has that had any impact on demand as others get more promotional? Mark, you want to take this one? Yes, um, yes uh, welcome everyone also from my side. So I'm currently sitting in the APEC region, so it's quite dark out here, um, but um, it's great to be part of this call. So, so you know, we've been very close to the channel and we actually all spent a lot of time with, with our biggest partners as well, uh, really exactly diving into what is what is um, inventory on hand and how do they look at the next month. And what we're seeing is that our inventory position in the channel is very, very healthy. It's sometimes even too low, um, also due to the constraints that we had in the Atlanta warehouse. And it's across the board. So it's in Europe, it's in the US, um, also in Asia Pacific. And um, Japan has a very, very strong sales rules, for example, with some of our key partners. We're not seeing cancellations at all. Um, and, and also with the pre-selling meetings that we had with the largest partners now for fall winter have been uh, extremely positive. And I think what we always have to, to keep in mind is that, you know, on is right now a $1 billion brand on a 12-month basis. But there's still so much more opportunity versus some of the larger players, and I think, again, we're not in a in an incremental ga uh, game here. We have, you know, we're we don't need, we're not so dependent on the macro environment. We can gain so much market share still within the channel, and I think that's currently what's at play. And and on has uh, has a very strong momentum with 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 all its key partners. Excellent. Thank you. And on the topic of opportunity, can you speak to the evolving composition of your business between performance running, performance all day, and performance outdoor product, particularly interested in momentum in the latter two categories? Yeah, I can, uh, I can uh, probably elaborate on that too. So we're, we're seeing quite a balanced um, growth between the performance run category and uh, the performance all day category. So both developing line, I think what's very important for us is is the metric of how is on developing at runner spot is because that's our core, that's our authenticity. And we're very encouraged when we when we count on the main running routes and when we look at the run specialty channel, um, where we currently have roughly 10% share overall, um, but we have very, very strong pre-order growth of around 70% for spring, summer 23 in that channel. So... So we're growing very strongly with the products that we've launched with the Cloud Runner, with the Cloud Go, um, with the Cloud Monster that are tapping into into a broad market. And, and so, yeah, I think you see a, a very balanced growth between the two. 
and then on outdoor which which or uh, which is a little bit um a smaller business at this point we we see that the trail category is developing very very well so everything that's rooted in trail also on the apparel side is performing strongly and we see very encouraging uh, sales for numbers on on some of those products especially the cloud vista um, with also a, quite a bit of opportunity in the all-day market. So we report that under under basically the, the outdoor segment, but a lot of it will also be worn um, as an all-day item. Thank you so much, Mark. The next question is coming from Alex Stratton from Morgan Stanley. Please go ahead. Great. Thanks for taking my question, and congrats on another great quarter, guys. I wanted to drill down in, into Europe quickly. You guys saw a, a great, nice reacceleration this quarter. Can you talk about what drove that change and just remind us what your biggest markets are there, as well as how you think about kind of the future opportunity? Yes, yeah, so the, I think the, the biggest market, I mean, let's start about the, the markets first. So the biggest market is is Germany. And then you see UK, which has a very, very strong growth and becoming more and more important in Europe. Also, with the partnership that we have in JD, we still have um, quite some significant volume coming out of Switzerland and Austria, where it's just the markets that we have been in longest. So, so it's quite balanced. Um, but then we have a lot of markets that we're just tapping into. So if you look at Italy, for example, if you look at Spain, which are both very large markets, um, Spain has just taken in in-house Italy. We're going to take in-house from from a distributor, so there's still a lot of potential there. And when when we look at the figures, I think and Martin pointed it out, it's very important for us. Um, the figures would have been even stronger if it wasn't for for the FX impact. And we saw a bit of shift of orders and how we delivered orders between Q2 and Q3, but consumer demand was always there. So you had a bit an impact from how wholesale would take in orders. But we were always, um, especially when you look at Germany and, and the UK, quite happy in how, how sellout was developing. And I think this has now come through fully in Q3. And we're also quite happy on, on what we've seen in, in, in October, for example, um, happening in Europe, um, especially given the macro environment. Great, that's super helpful. Maybe one more quick one from me. It sounds like the Cloud Monster and some of your other recent launches have, have gotten some great press and acknowledgement for real technical innovation. Can you just talk to us about when exactly you launched those and maybe what you did differently with the shoe in terms of either technical components or even marketing, if there's anything different to be aware of? Thanks. You know, I feel we're, um, we're tapping right into a performance innovation where we're taking our uh, most advanced technology, but then make it much more inclusive, um, like take the Cloud Monster, which gives you a lot of cushioning, based on uh, absolute premium phones, but then of course add a very visible technology to it, uh, CloudTech, but uh, almost in an amped up version. So I think that gets us a lot of eyeballs and is very intriguing to our, uh, to our core running community, but then of course also ventures beyond that core running technology. And so, um, it's about taking performance running technology and making it available and relevant for the masses. Thanks so much. The next question is coming from Tom Nikic from Weltbarsch Securities. Please go ahead. 
Uh, hi, uh, good afternoon, guys. Uh, thanks for taking my question. Um, quick clarification. Uh, did you say that uh, FX was a 250 basis point impact to the gross margin in, in the third quarter? I, I, I thought I heard that, but, but I wasn't sure. Uh, and then can you tell us uh, how much of a um, FX uh, impact you're expecting for the gross margin in the fourth quarter? Yes, so it was 250 basis points uh, compared to last year's rates um, on the on the quarter. If we look at the year to date, it's a it's 170 basis points impact uh, versus last year's rates, and we have based our our guidance uh, of the of the quarter on on the current ethics uh, uh, rates, and so we expect uh, a similar strong uh, impact for 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 that quarter. And, and then, as said, going forward, um, price increases will help us to to offset part of that. And, and of course, we we, we closely observe uh, where dollar and, and euro develop compared to the Swiss franc. Okay, uh, understood. And just on, on the gross margin in general, I mean, I know that there was also um, a headwind this quarter because of wholesale versus BPC mix. Uh, which kind of sounds like it was because of some transitory impacts. I mean, should should we kind of assume, you know, over a longer time period uh, that direct to consumer, you know, grows faster than than wholesale as you know brand awareness grows and consumers go directly to your brand, um, and thus, you know, over kind of a longer time period, you would expect to see um, a uh, more of a tailwind to your to your gross margin from from channel mix. Yeah, what we see is that on is hot in both channels. Um, Mark elaborated on the opportunity that we have in the wholesale channels, um, that we are just at the starting line uh, with our adventure with, with Dick Sporting Goods, uh, the very beginning in, in, in Footlogger, but in many other uh, key accounts. Then if we look at, at our e-com business, we, we see the strong momentum. Also now at the start of the holiday season, uh, we have seen the strong momentum that we had in, in China. Um, and then we continue to expand our our uh, own retail business um, with the store now in LA, but then also the expansion in in in, in London and Miami earlier next year. Um, we'll also continue to to open new stores in in China. So we we will drive growth in both channels, and that's important for us. And important is that the customers have the best experience in both channels that they find the product where they want to shop for the product and that we talk to the right customer in those channels that we attract new customer groups to our products and therefore we we, we are less manage the, the the share of the different channels but the health of the of the two channels but we see strong momentum and, and growth opportunities in both of them understood uh thanks very much uh congrats on all the success uh, up to this point and best of luck uh, for the remainder of the year The next question is coming from Abby Zwegniks from Piper Sandler. Please go ahead. Great. Thanks so much for taking my question. So just broadly, I guess, how are you thinking about your consumer and how they may be more resilient in the more difficult macro, you know, given the performance aspect of the business? And then it's great to see inventory levels back in a better position to fulfill that strong consumer demand for the brand. So can you just talk about your how your lead times have evolved and your ability to adjust 
um, your forward inventory receipts either you know up or down based on kind of changes in consumer demand in this uncertain environment. Thanks. Abby, thank you. It's a great question. You know, when we <laughs> so, sorry, Mark. Go ahead. When, When we um, when we founded on Abbey, we came right out of the financial crisis, and then uh, as a young uh, as a young brand, we asked ourselves, um, what does that mean now in 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 that part of the cycle? And uh, back then, we realized that people are cutting down on some investments, but um, they're very much still focused on, uh, on 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 something that keeps them healthy, and that is uh, that is running. And um, it's also one of the most accessible sports, one of the most cheap sports. Uh, the only thing that you really need is a good running shoe that gives you a unique sensation, but also keeps you injury free. And, and that's how it played out back then um, that we saw still people um, focusing on, uh, on staying healthy. Uh, so we can't predict the future, but that's at least the tale from the, from the past. Yeah, maybe I take the question on, on inventory. So we mentioned it on the call. We are in a, in a very strong inventory position and it's important to understand that we have flown a lot of products that were produced right after the lockdowns and they have been they have reached our customers already so what we put on the on the ships later on was fresh product so our our warehouse is is in the inventory levels there is really in line with what we expect to deliver in the next in the next uh, one and a half quarters and then it's also important to, to understand that as a premium brand, we have relatively long lead time uh, or product life cycle time. So it allows us to correct also some excessive positions that we have on certain products without going into, into dis discounting. And if we, if we look at the, at the growth that we have seen in inventory versus last year, then um, majority of of, of, of a part of that growth is coming from, from growth in our warehouses, but that's more 60% growth. So it's fully in line with our sales growth. And the rest is really the, that we filled the, the, the in-transit inventory uh, because we started to put uh, products back into sea freight versus air freight. Great, thank you. The next question is coming from Aubrey Tinalele. Tianello, I'm sorry, from BNP. Please ask your question. Hey, everyone. Uh, congrats on the quarter, and, and thanks for squeezing me in here. The first question I wanted to ask is on the, the Roger Federer retirement. Could you guys maybe talk a little bit about the Labor Cup event, what that, what that did in terms of you know, impacting the brand's visibility? And then now that he's officially retired, how do you plan to work with Roger and, and more broadly the tennis franchise overall where you, you have other athletes as well? So Aubrey, I mean, of course, that was an emotional moment for us when he retired, um, but probably the upside from, it, from that is that he will have more time and you, you have to understand that he, that Roger for us is um, a, a co-entrepreneur and spends a lot of time, uh, probably 20 days um, of the year in the lab, working with us on the Roger Pro, so the Pro tennis shoes, but then also on the other parts of the franchise. And now we're just going to spend more time together because we're doubling down on the tennis business and continue to grow the franchise. Um, so it's very important that we, um, that we spend time together. 
and uh, Roger is very committed to that. You probably know as well that his house is a short 20-minute drive from our lab, so, uh, so uh, that comes together well. That's, that's great to hear. Uh, and then maybe if I could just one follow-up on China. Uh, can you guys talk about the decision you made to own and operate your own stores there? Uh, as opposed to maybe going with a partner like other brands have. Or what are the benefits that that you see by taking uh, by by going this route? Thanks. Thank you. Hey, I think it's uh, you know what's very important to us is that we're able to bring a, a very unique and and also consistent consumer experience to life. So wherever you experience on, you should you should do that in a premium way. And and we felt for China the best way to do it that is on our own. So we decided to 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 do most of our stores completely on our own. We are uh, partnering with local franchises in tier two cities where we feel they have better access to staff or also to to certain retail locations. So you will see um, and you already see franchise stores in China, but not with large uh, master franchising partners and. And obviously, it also has a it has a has a positive margin impact um, if we're able to operate the stores uh, completely on our own. And we very much feel on is a is a Chinese brand with 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 heart. So we have a completely local team, and we we feel we understand the market very well. We feel we have access to the best locations. Um, for example, we just relocated stores um, in, into into ground floor. Level is some of the key malls, and, and and that was very very important to us to get even more traffic into the stores. So we feel we can all reach reach all of that on our own, and and that's why we decided to to pursue the opportunity um, without large master franchising partners. Excellent. Congrats again. Thank you. There are no further questions at this time, ladies and gentlemen. The conference is now concluded and you may disconnect your telephone. Thank you for joining and have a pleasant day.